0: Not too long ago, Real Relatable hosted the monthly Now We Know podcast. Did you know Now We Know still exists? I'm Donna Green. And I'm Jonathan Stokes. And this is Now We Know. The monthly podcast where we unpack and repack our Black history as you related to the world of today. What didn't we learn? What do we want to learn? What do we need to revisit to establish the historical truth and not just what we were taught? we're here to learn and grow together as a community with the intention of bringing awareness to better our futures. Brought to you from the lens and life experiences of two millennials. A queer, Catholic-raised Black man. And a straight, spiritual, divorcee, single-parent Black woman. Now We Know is brought to you wherever you get your podcasts. On this episode of Real Relatable... I don't think I ever really considered talking about this in depth publicly. Um, This is not going to be an easy episode for me, and I know it. I believe there's this misunderstanding about sexual assault always being violent in nature. But sometimes it can be more of a mental manipulation and coercion that is also hard to understand and also difficult to pinpoint what's happening to you. And as a child, I had no way of grasping what these individuals were doing or what their intention was or what grooming actually meant. As an adult, I look back and I have a hard time talking about it because there is this element of shame. There is this element of, well, was it my fault? But then on the other hand, As a 12-year-old, I didn't have an iota of the understanding of what was happening or what was to come. This is Donna Green, and you're listening to Real Relatable. People often look at us and think we have it all together, but we are all facing struggles or battling various life circumstances. This podcast is to let you know that you are not alone. We're here to celebrate the wins, pinpoint moments of growth, and challenge one another to be true to ourselves. As we navigate our individual life's journeys, there's a time to break down the barrier and share, so we become that much more real and that much more relatable. Over the last several months on my social media, I have somewhat alluded to, um, a more recent sexual assault experience as an adult and, um, relating that back to when I was a kid and I've been vague about it. And I know I have because, well, a couple of things, you know, there's not everyone that you can talk to about these things. One, two, um, Especially at the time, there was an investigation being done, and then I was worried about accidentally ruining something somehow. Um, and three, I have my therapist to to talk to, um, and some really close friends that have been supportive. Um, in addition to therapy, to help navigate what I have been feeling, what has um resurfaced from when I was a kid, so this episode is not going to be easy for me. I know it's not. Um, This episode is going to possibly have some triggers for some people, um, some maybe personal insights um, or revelations. And for me, uh, my intention is to have some healing through it. Knowing I'm going to be like this, uh, my voice might be a bit choppy and it might sound like I'm welling up and crying, but that's because I am. So just bear with me through this episode um, and this monologue of um, talking about my own personal experiences with sexual assault in the hopes that during Sexual Assault Awareness Month, this brings some um, feeling of community. And um, some feeling of not being alone in someone else's sexual assault experiences. And then also, if this is, you know, if this is reaching someone who has maybe had some questionable um, interactions with people and taken it too far, hopefully some self-reflection on them to do better um, and to respect someone else and their boundaries and their no's. So
1: it's going to be a heavy one. Here we go. All right, let's
0: take it back to 2003, must have been. I was 12. I was in um, seventh grade at the time. And in a phase of my life that, um, it's confusing. And, um, I mean, bless my mom and dad, you know, they do the best that they did the best that they could with what they knew and, um, what they had. And this is no reflection on them. Um, I know they listen to the podcast and so, you know, I love you guys. Um, this, this is not, you know, a reflection of y'all. Um, but home life wasn't the greatest, I mean, my parents often fought um there was a lot of yelling, there was um not always the best um, home environment that again, but I still grew up like pretty well, generally speaking, it just there was clearly um something that wasn't gonna work out between my parents and um instead of. My sister and I not seeing that, we saw it. Um, I, yeah, I, but, it, but I still had a good upbringing. I don't know if that makes any sense, but for somebody who maybe has seen the same thing, you can understand. Um, so I end up in a situation where I meet some people, wind up in circles that I shouldn't be in. Um, it was really defiant, like I said, I was um thinking I could make decisions um as a twelve year old that I shouldn't have been, and that I couldn't have and um I meet these two guys um start hanging out with them, they're older, one is um twenty and the other was seventeen um and I thought that they liked me. um they showed me some attention um that clearly I desired um that I clearly wanted and maybe needed some sort of validation of sorts. It's been a long time at this point we're talking about almost twenty years ago, and so I don't really remember how long um we spent hanging out or talking on the phone and whatever but i know that i was sneaking out of the house to go see them um i know that i was like talking to them on the phone for lengths of time um back then at school we had payphones and so i would use um this was middle school but i had a uh, use the payphone to like call them and um we would talk about like i don't know seeing each other and like how cute they thought i was and um just all of all of those things and really now looking back on it um it's called grooming and what grooming in this sort of sexual way is trying to build a relationship um like an emotional connection building some trust um with a child so that they can
1: manipulate um exploit and abuse them so obviously i have no understanding of of this at the time um i think that's where i
0: struggle now is thinking about what happened, um, how I even got to that place, how did I, you know, allow them to do that? But I'm, you know, as a 12-year-old, I literally cannot make those decisions. Um, I cannot understand what's happening, and I can't exactly um stop it. Um, but that that's what happened. And so eventually I end up at their house um one of the guys house um the other had come over as well we're in the basement and um all of a sudden i am doing things that um 12 year olds have no business doing um but i thought that that's what i was supposed to do i thought that that was um you know what they want it was what they wanted you know they they were egging it on they were um saying things and doing things and um you know telling me how to do things and um all of that and so I I did and um at the time I didn't have a you know the understanding like that this wasn't okay. Um I just knew that it hurt and I I thought that there was a lot going on and it was confusing. Um because I
1: didn't know what I was doing and um I I thought they liked me. Um and so I'm going to have a hard time with this. Um Anyway, the repercussions of that, um, came after. So I happened to go to
0: middle school with one, um, with the younger one's sister. And so even in the times leading up to, um, what happened, I would, you know, see her sometimes like at the house. And, um, so then this happens and, uh, word gets around. then my mom finds out and I, I can't remember how I told her how she found out, but it was, it was very shortly after. And, um, so my mom decided to press charges, um, against them, rightfully so. At the time as a child, I was like, I didn't want to do that. I just, I thought that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, when you are quote unquote in a relationship with someone, um, can a 12 year old be in a relationship with a 17 year old and 20 year old? No, that, not never. That is literally not how that works. And so I, um, again, being in this defiance age, I was mad and I had really mixed emotions um, because I thought that this was the okay thing to do. And so then all of a sudden, for that to evolve into, Okay, there are police and detectives and there's a lineup that I have to choose from and um the relationship that I thought I had with them was cut off. And so the older one like I didn't have as quote strong a connection with him as I did with the younger one. And so for the younger one, um that one kind of hurt because I liked him or I thought that I liked him or loved him even um he and i would um sing like alicia keys songs to each other um this is early 2000 so if you remember you know some of the hits that alicia keys had back then it's it's all of that right and um so yeah i thought that this was like a real thing like i thought that i was going to be with this person And so, um, I was mad and I was sad and I didn't want to have to, you know, pick them out from a lineup and, um, interview, do the interviews with like the detectives and all of that stuff. So as word is getting around, um, it's being spread throughout the school, it's being, um, spread to like my friends and my family. And I started getting treated differently. Um, I was made fun of, I was, uh, you know, called like a hoe and like all these things, like all these bad things or, you know, sexual jokes would be made at my expense because, you know, it's something that Donna would do. Of course, you know, she, she gets down like that. And so, um. You know, it was what it was like for me at the time, just like whatever people are being dumb, like they don't know anything like this is just they just haven't had sex yet, you know. And um, the issue is that even despite um, charges being pressed at the time and um, that process moving forward, in my mind, I was like, well no, like this is still how you connect with people, so like or connect with guys. And so if someone likes you, this is just what you do. Um I think that there's this misunderstanding about a sexual assault always being violent or um maybe not always, but you know just not understanding that someone can be sexually assaulted or raped in my instance. Um groomed to be raped and to do these things, um, non-consenting, um, and think that they maybe turn into a, like a recluse. Like you just go into yourself. You, um, don't want to see anyone or talk to anyone or, you know, talk about it or, you know, sex is off the table. But for me, I went the other route. I was like, oh, well, this is just what you do. Like you, you have sex with people. and that's it. And then, you know, um, so it wasn't a response that I think people maybe, um, have an assumption that you would have. And so me having taken that route didn't help my situation of the rumors and, um, how I was portrayed. Um, and I, I don't, I can't even say if I cared or um, what I just didn't think that people understood. Um, and that wasn't my problem or my place to try and get them to understand. Fast forward to high school, um, because in the legal process, this, it takes some time. It's not something where you press charges now, five minutes later, you know, there's a hearing, like it, it it took a while. So in high school, um, I believe it was my freshman year. This is about two years later, um, is when the court processes actually began, and um, or court hearings, I should say. Um, and because there was an adult trial for the twenty-year-old and a juvenile trial for the seventeen-year-old, I had to go to two
1: courthouses, and. Um, that w- it was difficult, um, for both. I remember specifically, we started out with
0: the juvenile trial. The juvenile trial, um, mm-hmm. this is downtown Cleveland. I don't remember the name of the building, but maybe it's like a juvenile courthouse or something. And I remember getting there and feeling overwhelmed. Um, Overwhelmed with having to go into a courtroom, um give my testimony and see him, see him the the person that I thought that I was in some sort of relationship with, you know, a couple years before that, um and also realizing like a little bit um I think the the degree to which this maybe hit me of this actually was not supposed to happen like that, or they really did uh, manipulate me and take advantage of me. It was kind of starting to sink in, but it still wasn't like super evident. And so I spent, um, some time trying to figure out how I could escape this building. Um, I figured out a way to, leave, um, took the elevators down, walked out. And I was like, I'm going to take the bus home because this is not for me, you know, like they don't need me for this. Um, meanwhile, like I did not take public transportation. I lived in the suburbs and that was like, there's RTA, but I didn't know how to take the bus from downtown Cleveland back to Shaker Heights. And so they found me, they got me back in and then I had to go give my testimony and all of that. Which is devastating, um, a very confusing place. And then the next trial was the adult trial. And this one, much bigger building, um, no way to escape. I mean, stories and stories high, I was like, okay, clearly I can't get out of this one. Like, they got me trapped in here. Um, but I do remember that the defense attorney was awful. Like, um as they're supposed to do right they're there to you know advocate for their client and try and get them off or whatever and so um i just remember that they were trying to poke holes in my story or poke holes in um my testimony and what i was saying and um oh well you know didn't he break up with you and um you know didn't this and that it's like well no like that that didn't happen. Um, just is, okay, well, what were you doing? Like just making me out to be like, I was lying about it, um, which I wasn't. Um, and also I think that was pretty evident from the juvenile trial, um, that already had included this person being
1: there as well. So, um, clearly that wasn't the case. Both of the trials conclude,
0: and um, these two individuals did time. Um, I don't know how much, I think a few years each at least um, and I went about my life until now. and so, um, what has sparked me to even bring that up is really to talk about some of the shame that um I feel when I tell the story about what happened to me as a kid because it really did shape, um, what I thought were supposed to be parts of relationships moving forward. It wasn't until college that, um, I went back to therapy. Like my, my parents had put me in therapy, um, right after it happened. I was like, this is horrible. Like why would I want to talk to a stranger about what I went through? Da da, da. But in reality, like again, at the time I didn't understand and I didn't, you know, have the same understanding that I have now, but now, um, or as an adult, I, you know, had a better understanding of like, no, like this is bad. Like this is awful and it's confusing and it can shape the way that you approach or understand relationships moving forward. So in college, um, I spoke with a therapist, um, at the university of Illinois, um, and talked through all of that and felt like I was at a better place because um, I I was able to maybe connect some more dots on um, relationships that I was having or how I interacted with people to what happened to me as a kid. And so from that, I felt healed and I felt good um, up until more recently. So the therapist that I have now, I've had been going to her for maybe three and a half years or so. Um, started going to her right before my divorce back in 2019. And, um, so she's kind of seen me through my, um, pre-divorce, during divorce, post-divorce time, dating, etc. And, um, I had mentioned to her briefly, like, Hey, um, this happening when I was a kid, I'm good though. Like I don't have anything that's residual. I have healed. I'm I'm all right. Um, that all changed five months ago when um I had just started a relationship with someone um very new, like we had known each other for a couple months, uh um, maybe about two months, and then started sort of talking and engaging um in more of a romantic like correspondence. Um about two weeks. Uh, before he quote unquote officially asked me to be his girlfriend. In that time, we had um, spent some various occasions of like going on a date or hanging out with friends and tailgating um, for like BSU football games, stuff like that. And um, I felt a sense of being included. I found that that's important to me to feel like I'm included or I am a part of um, someone and their life as they would be for mine, and so that that feels good for me. Anyway, so I had started to build this um, sense of security. Um, I felt a sense of security from that, in addition to how I, how I was being treated, and how I could be upfront and honest about some of the things that I was, um, you know, maybe like my my um, hardcore values of no to this, yes to this, whatever. Um, I felt seen and heard. Uh, which is important in any relationship, but that definitely was something that I felt um, with this person. Going into Halloween weekend, uh, we had a party to go to. Uh, we were going as like a couple's costume. And um, so I met more of his friends. And then um, we were hanging out with some of my friends with from softball, um, some mutual friends, et cetera. Like overall, it was a good weekend. But one morning, um, we get up, we engage in sexual activity and then I'm like, okay, I need to get some things done. Um, so I'm going to go, you know, do some things, um, like over in the, in the kitchen area, um, on my laptop and, um, he was off doing whatever. And so randomly he comes up to me, um, and just says, you know, I wish I had as much confidence as you do. If I could have even just a little bit of that, I would be set. It's like, I know you don't need to hear that. Um, I know you don't need like that validation, but I just wanted to tell you. And I was like, thank you. I appreciate that. Which is true. You know, I can appreciate if someone, you know, can recognize my my confidence or whatever, but um, that's not something that I need to hear necessarily. Um. I say that because I think it's important for what is to come next. I decided that I was gonna go home because I needed to some things I needed to get some things done at home. And so um I go to where he was in his home office, and as I walk into the room, he says, Um, I want you to
1: get down on your knees and like suck my dick, basically. And I was like Absolutely not.
0: We talk for a couple minutes. As I'm leaving the room, he makes that same remark. And I'm like, no, I'm not in the mood. Frankly, this is not something that I would have agreed to anyway. I am not the kind of person who wants to be told what to do like that. Um, I hadn't done anything of that nature as it was, so this random request it just it was weird in addition to what's to come. So as I leave the room to go back into the kitchen area to gather my things, um put together all my bags to head home, he comes into like the living room, which is next to this little kitchen area and is leaning against the sofa and has himself exposed and he's touching himself. And I was like,
1: stop he doesn't. I say it again, so and so, stop. He then says,
0: Well, I'm in the mood. And I was like, I am not. And then he makes this annoying sort of shrug, like, Well, I'm like, that is not how that works. And he persists. And I was like, If you don't stop, shit's about to get real, real, real quick. So instead of stopping, he comes behind me as I'm facing this counter, putting my bags together, still trying to put my bags together to go because at this point I'm disgusted. I'm like, I don't know what the hell is happening right now, but I'm going to go. And this is so unattractive. So he comes behind me, pulls me into his penis and rubs himself against me. I am shaking at this point. And I'm like, stop. So then I tell him, I don't want to talk about it, but I was raped when I was 12. So whatever the fuck coercion or whatever you think you're doing right now is not okay. That doesn't stop him. Because his response is, I'm so sorry that happened to you, but I'm still going to tell you what I want to do to you and what I want you to do to me. Clearly, this is not someone who has recognized that
1: their actions are predatory. The fact that he has verbally been indecent and then physically accosts me with his body and has no remorse for it is beyond me. So I try and grab my things, um my head's
0: down at this point. I'm in like flight, fight, or freeze. And I think I'm a, a little bit of a freeze. Really, it's a lot of freeze because
1: I was, I was in shock, like absolutely mortified of what just happened. In addition to his response being unsympathetic
0: at all. Also, to be clear here, My reaction was not due to what happened to me as a kid. My reaction was very specific to this person and what they were currently doing. And I was trying to get them to stop by saying, as my last-ditch effort, something that should bring anyone to a halt. Like, hey, check your actions and what you're doing. But clearly that was not... Resonating that wasn't going to stop them in being a predator like they are. My personality is not one to blow up. And it's, you know, I have been not ruminating, but, you know, just thought about this every day, Um, especially in the beginning, just every day, all day. Like, how could I have made them stop? But no, it didn't matter what I said or what I did because what I thought was so very clear. As anyone in their sane, non predatory, non-inebriated, respectable person kind of way of, I am not interested in any sort of sexual, um, approach, um, verbal, physical, none of it that was not sinking in to this person. Um, and so maybe if I yelled, like maybe that would have made a difference. Maybe if I like hit him, maybe he would have like had to come to Jesus. It didn't, it, it probably wouldn't have mattered. Um, and I can't be in this like, shoulda, woulda, coulda space. So um, I grab my things and I have like a zillion bags. I have like my tennis bag, my backpack, cause I'd stayed the night, my um, purse, my laptop bag, like all of these things. And I am like shaking still trying to just leave and um, not make eye contact with this person. Like, I can't tell you if I had any response necessarily to what he said. All I knew was I needed to get out and I I had nothing, no words left. So while I'm trying to grab all my bags, um, I'm shaking so much that I dropped my laptop on my foot and I try and pick it up and I just go. So after I get away, um, Get to a safe space. I text him, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell that was, but I'm I'm not okay with it. Um, and so we have this whole text correspondence about how like how he totally disrespected me, and what really got me was that um, initially it was more of a like, hey, I'm like this was not okay, and it was this like corporate responsive. I understand the way that you feel and. Um, I understand how my action like it. It just was a hard eye roll, and so I was like, "Okay, like I, I had nothing left to say, but literally, okay." Hours go by. He texts me and asks how the rest of my day is going. First of all, okay. Anyway, this it doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, all I said was. It's fine. We shouldn't get together um, later. I don't know if ever another time. And so he takes that and he's like, oh, like, did something come up or is it from like our conversation earlier? And I said, it's everything from earlier. It's not just a conversation. It's everything. And he says, well, this is serious. Yes, it's serious. Like, how could this possibly not be serious? I'll save you guys all the detail of the rest of the back and forth, but really it was someone who like <sighs> th- like no true remorse. The only reason he quote apologized was because I brought it up. This isn't someone who recognized that their actions uh were predatory or not even that, but like this isn't someone who was remorseful for their actions or um. Thought that this was something that was a big deal um, to prey on someone and to totally disrespect them and their nose and their stops, and I'm not in the mood, um,
1: all of that. He didn't he didn't care. Here I was. it was clear
0: literally morning time, clear as day, and I expressed that I am thoroughly uninterested in any sexual anything. Meanwhile, we had already engaged in sexual activity before that. So why are you doing this now and not accepting what I'm saying um, as no? And then at that Halloween party that we went to that night, we, you know, of course we were drinking and whatever. Um, We go back to his place. He says that he wants to do something. And I was like, absolutely not. The same absolutely not that I gave him a
1: couple days later that. He couldn't honor that he couldn't respect me enough to accept
0: and just kept pushing because clearly what he wanted was more important than what I wanted and what I needed to feel safe and secure
1: in the coming days after spiraling and trying to grasp what happened um why this person that had
0: you know where i felt so safe and secure before this could not respect me and could disrespect me in such a way and violate me um And so then it
1: dawned on me, I've been through this before, um, to a different degree, and it's time. So I went to
0: the police station and filed my report. I submitted all the text messages. um, I submitted everything um, because it falls in line with Idaho's code of sexual battery. Sexual battery is any willful physical contact over or under the clothing with the intimate parts of any person when the physical contact is done without consent and with the intent to degrade, humiliate, or demean the person touched, touch or with the intent of arousing, appealing to, or gratifying the lust, passion, or sexual desires of the actor or any other person. For purposes of the section, intimate parts means the genital area, groin, inner thighs, buttocks, or breasts. So what happened here is to the T of sexual battery. I don't think I'm going to get into all of the legality of what had ensued after because
1: I was I have almost just as appalled at how the case was handled um, by
0: how the case was investigated. And the interview process, I I mean,
1: I'd spent months um living in Idaho law and um understanding what the steps were,
0: um, how were interviews conducted, what information was sent to prosecution, etc. And let me just say it was an abomination, but um I I don't think I can really get into all of that just to be on the safe side. And so, um, anyway, the reason why this catapulted me back into therapy um, was because of the violation, obviously. Um, But then it's also brought up some of the ways that I have coped um, with, you know, my childhood sexual trauma um, and then, you know, how I was coping with my adult sexual trauma. So I went into it. I'm like, you know, I'm an adult now. I can handle this, you know, court process and all of that. It's I understand, you know, the defense attorney is going to be awful and try and be like, "Well, what did you do?" and da da da, but whatever. Like I can handle this. Um but on the mental front of it, like this actually sent me into that place
1: of being a recluse. I didn't want to be touched um i didn't want the possibility of getting close to anyone um
0: just for them to violate me again and if you listen to the podcast enough um whether now we know or real relatable like you know that i am a hopeless romantic at heart that is who i am um but this situation just sent me to a place of like fuck that absolutely not Um, even to the point where over Thanksgiving break, um, my son and I had gone over to my son, mom, and I had, um, gone to Atlanta to visit my sister and, um, I'm standing in the kitchen, um, doing something at the counter, like my sister comes behind me and to give me a hug as she has done so many other times. Um, as a form of affection. And that sent me right back to this man and, um, his prowess and his violation of me. And it sent me into tears.
1: And I told my sister almost immediately stop. Um, and she let, uh, She let, you know, let go and she's like, I'm so sorry. And she would never, you know, want to hurt me. And it's not that she, you know, had that intention, but, um, to not be able to get a hug from my sister. And I'm like, how am I going to be like at an okay place? Like, I don't even know. Like,
0: sometimes it kind of feels, um, silly to... You know, I'm not, like, violently raped. I'm not, like, you know... It's not that, but it doesn't make it any less
1: violating or um, degrading or... To, like, have your power taken away consistently, you know?
0: Like, I kind of wonder, like, well, hell, like, if I didn't leave...
1: If I couldn't go. Like, I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know. Like, what could have happened? Over the course of the
0: uh, following months, and therapy, and talking to my therapist about it, and then, you know, being concerned about any sort of retaliation um, because I, you know, did decide to press charges and concerned about what my, um, social life was going to be, especially with, you know, some mutual friends and just say mutual hobbies, um, creating a smaller circle in an already small place. And, um, it, it just, it was a lot and it kind of consumed me in addition to, um, trying to figure out how I could get better. You know, I was balancing all of it, you know, I'm still going to be a mother. Um, like making sure my son had everything that he needed, trying to make sure that I was okay, um, making sure that I wasn't slacking on my work, um, trying to um, work through the legal system, um, trying to get answers, like all of these things. It just, it was a lot. And um, it was uh, incredibly stressful. In therapy, we got to the point of looking to take back that power, um, which in part was, you know, going through the legal process, you know, sort of reclaim my power. But then also on my physical connection front, you know, a, a simple hug that my sister has given me so many times sent me to tears. But is that really going to be how I would live my life um, moving forward? Like it can't be. And so um, my, ther- my therapist tasked me with, okay, why don't you go get like a mani-pedi or um, like a chair massage, something that is simple, um, you know, not one where, you know, be Usually in the times that I've gotten massages, I would like, you know, fully get naked basically and, you know, not have an issue at all, whether male or female, but I'm like, a massage sounds awful. Like getting close to someone sounds awful. Let's not do any of that, you know, like let's give it a couple years. (laughs) So I finally decided to get the chair massage. um, And... I was up front with the massage therapist to say, you know, this is a therapy task. Um, I might cry. <laughs> I um, I might not be doing my best um, in this, but um, it's not about you. It just, it's something about me. And so she was really, um, really, really kind and uh, really patient with me because I did start crying. And um, like, again, I don't know, it just, it sounds silly. I don't know. I gotta talk to my therapist about it, but it sounds silly. But yeah, I just um it was it was uh daunting to think about. Um, but she was super helpful in saying, okay, I'm gonna do this, like I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna move here, I'm gonna move there. Um, you know, it was I I, it was a chair massage. I wasn't naked by any means like that. It was only like 20 minutes or something, but it definitely was a good start. And in that I learned that. It's not about touch. Um, It's about surprise touch. So then I connected it to when my sister hugged me. It just, I didn't know that she was coming behind me. And it's that startle um, and not being able to go somewhere. Um, What happened with this individual, I was facing a counter and I couldn't go anywhere um, despite him, you know, being behind me. Um, with my sister, I was in front of a counter. I didn't necessarily like want to go anywhere, but it was that being in a very similar position that sent me. And so um, that really helped to connect those dots. Is like, no, I just need to know what's happening and when it's happening and to know that I'm safe. Um, something that I have, con- have continued to do is go dancing. Um, I've talked about it on the podcast or like even on social media. I love Latin dancing. I always have. Um and so um when I felt okay, I'm like, okay, let me do that. Like it's very different than um it's not sexual. It's sensual. It can be anyway. Um but it's also consensual. It's not um something where um you know someone doesn't have your consent while you're dancing. There are also people around um your you know back is in against the wall kind of thing or front against whatever it, it's not like that and so um there is more of an element of security um with other people being around as well and so um getting in tune with my body in that sense has also helped me um and also helped me just continue to feel like myself and do the things that I like to do mm-hmm. um gosh it's like I'm always in a I'm not always in a state of crisis, despite (laughs) how many things I share with y'all. That sounds like um, I'm in shambles over here, Um, and I'm not. I, you know, I know that I have so many good things going for me. Um, I know who I am. Um, I'm happy with who I am. I'm happy with who I'm growing to be. Um, But this whole like relationship area has been a struggle for me, to be honest. It has
1: been really challenging. Um, I think that there is uh, this understanding that I'm a strong person. And
0: just because I'm a strong person, it doesn't mean that I want to endure more. It means that I have already endured a lot and at the end of the day i would like to have a consistent safe space to be myself and let my hair down and not have to wonder well how am i going to get hurt this time or if i start to become more vulnerable and open more of myself up um am i going to then get
1: hurt um Somehow, like with this past instance, I think about how he mentioned how
0: confident I am um, within an hour before he assaults me. And I'm like, were you trying to take away my confidence? Did you want some sort of power play? Did you um, want to demean me? At minimum, it was to gratify himself clearly. You don't rub your penis against someone's butt, not
1: to gratify yourself. Um, and I I just, I don't know. Um, I know I'm a good person. <laughs> like,
0: it feels weird sometimes to say that. Um, I'm just, I don't know why... This keeps happening. And so help me. Don't give me the, oh, it's just not your time. Like in due time, you'll meet the right person. You'll just know. Like, I I don't don't I don't want to hear that. It's literally not helpful.
1: Um, I'm just tired. Um and slowly trying to reveal the hope that I had before. Um, and reestablish a bigger sense of that hopeless romantic that
0: I know that I am. Um, because one day I will have, you know, that fairy tale of, you know, meeting someone and they embrace me, they embrace gray, and we have a whole nice life and whatever, you know, rainbows and fucking unicorns. Um. I'm just not there, um and that's okay. it's it gets lonely, but um eventually, you know, once I'm at a better place, and like maybe I will put myself out there again, but
1: I cannot see that at all at all. We also need law enforcement and the people
0: who can actually do something. Not to bring their own biases or to aid in this normalization of boys will be boys or think that people have ownership over someone else's body regardless if they are in a relationship or married or whatever it is because they don't there's so many other instances of um, sexual harassment that i've endured um, as many other women and people have um from the comments to you know small touches or like gestures and things like that and um, my hope is that people will continue to call those out um, and hold people accountable for their actions and um the way that they treat other people, um, to get it to stop, because at the end of the day, sexual assault, sexual harassment, none it is disgusting, and we shouldn't live in a society where we're just waiting for we're waiting for it to happen almost, or having to constantly prepare ourselves for the next assault um, or attempted assault. Or um, figuring out how to mentally recoup and reestablish a sense of normal. Um, you know, an instance of 20 seconds turns into five, six, seven plus months, could be years for some people of healing. And All of that onus of getting to a better place or even coming to justice legally,
1: it's all put back onto the victim. It's a sad place to be. (laughs) It can be really lonely. Um, I hope those listening,
0: I hope, you know, if you are someone who's experienced sexual assault, um, likely sexual harassment at some point. Um, I hope that you feel like you're not alone. Um, If you need to reach out to me, by all means, I am happy to talk um, or to listen, really, um, if you just need an ear. What I've learned throughout this process for me, um, working through current trauma and past trauma, is that... I have to find a place of giving myself grace, which is not easy because a lot of what I'm also feeling is shame. Shame of being taken advantage of, shame of feeling like a strong, powerful person, and in those moments, being dwindled down to like an object of sexual gratification for someone else and to not be honored or respected. And so that it's difficult for me. I also feel the shame of how I reacted as a kid, which to no fault to my own, I just didn't know and i i didn't understand and i was doing my best um with what i didn't understand and um it's kind of embarrassing i mean it's a it's a little embarrassing and um my heart hurts for 12 year old donna and um
1: teenage Donna and even adult Donna like I hurt for myself Um, thinking about those experiences and how it translates to
0: how I've interacted with you know people or my relationships or whatever and you know constantly feel like i'm trying to do better and um i know i'm doing better like i don't obviously have that same kind of approach anymore um but also you know I, it's still a place that i struggle and
1: and i feel like i just keep getting it wrong um i don't think that it's a reflection of me um i know what i do have to offer And, you know, what I bring to the table, and I just keep striking out on maybe who I think is the right person to share
0: all that I am with, even all of the lessons of the narcissistic abuse to just failed relationships and
1: even my marriage and whatever, and just growth as a person. It's like, when is it enough? One day I'll get it right. To those of you who
0: have reached out with your own experience or provided support, um, as I shared mine on social media, I do appreciate it. And um, for those that were looking for support or just a safe space to vent really quick, like, I'm honored that you felt comfortable enough um, and that I could be a safe space enough for you to, to let that out, um, stranger or not. It's, it does mean a lot, and that's the whole reason as to why I do my podcast. Again, it's to, to share the stories that maybe we don't share as much and um, so that people don't feel as lonely. Um, or by all means, you know, also find some resources that might work for you. There is the National Sexual Assault Hotline. um, That's 1-800-656-4673. There's also Rain.org, R-A-I-N-N.org. That's for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. Um, You might have some local resources to uh, reach out to if you need shelter. There's also advice of getting legal representation. Um, gosh, I think I could do a whole, I know I could do a whole episode on, um, how this was legally handled, um, not from my own accord, but from those who are supposed to uphold, um, the law and do investigations and all of that. Um, We'll say that for another time, but um, legal representation would be beneficial, ideally, um, for a case um, of this nature, and really just finding a support system um, if you don't already have one in place um, of people that you can talk to. You know, I have cried a thousand tears to um, my closest friends and um, my sister about it, and. Um, even this has opened up a lot of conversation with my sister about what happened when I was a kid as well, because she didn't really know. Um, she had no idea actually. She just thought that I was an angry kid, um, and didn't understand why. But, um, anyway, I hope you find this episode helpful. Um, again, it's sexual assault awareness month and it's about time that I share my own story. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please be sure to rate the show and make sure that you're subscribed to Real Relatable wherever you listen. If you feel that others can benefit from this conversation, make sure you share the podcast with a friend or a family member. If you want to give me a shout on social, you can find me on Instagram at Donna Janine. Until next time, be sure to keep it real and stay relatable. Bye, guys.